All right, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Luke with the research team at Skift. We have Jared Ween, our senior analyst on the research team, and also Dennis Shaw, executive editor at Skift, covering the space for 20 years. How you doing, guys? Great. Hey, that's Luke Bujarski, right? Bujarski, that's me. That's my name, don't wear it out. Um, but let's get to the topic. We're going to be talking about Google's positioning in the global travel ecosystem. Wow, that's some heavy stuff. But we're going to we're going to try to lighten it up a little bit. We have some freeform conversation that we're going to we're going to have about it. But first, we're going to just run through some 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 rather impressive slides that we've put together just to kind of put things into context. Uh, so Skift, we are the best and biggest and greatest business intelligence platform in the travel industry. Uh, check us out at skift.com and also research.skift.com for all of your travel intelligence needs. So we're going to talk about Google and the vast complex reach in the travel industry. We're going to talk consolidation. We're going to look at some survey results from our Skift audience. We're going to look at what travel means for Google and what Google means for the travel industry. Uh, so let's just uh, so let's think about Google's vast and complex reach in travel. So traditional advertising on Google, that is Google's bread and butter when it comes to working with the big OTAs, the big online travel groups. But they want to enter into the space a little bit in a different way as well with their hotel ads, which ultimately amounts to a meta search model that some of the bigger brands already incorporate, Kayak, uh, Trivago, let's not forget TripAdvisor with their instant booking platform uh, and the meta search that they do there. But it's a bit of an incestuous relationship where Priceline and Expedia's of the world are also... Uh, basically have their own meta search brands that are also using Google hotel ads. So, it, you know, end of the day, Google is just, uh, you know, the, the advertising platform that travel uses. And, and Jared is going to talk a little bit about the numbers here in a little bit. Um, everybody wants hotels, uh, travel industry. And when it comes to the money, uh, hotels is where the money is. At least that's where most people will tell you where the money is. Uh, but Google's reach into the hotel industry is really, you know, it's 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 a it's a bidding game. A lot of the big OTAs are clearly going to win out when it comes to just kind of the generic searches for, let's say, hotels in London. But we still see an opportunity for some of the smaller hotels to play the Google ads game on more custom searches like, let's say, luxury hotels in Midtown, for example. Uh, so, Dennis, what's, uh, what's going on? What's good with Google Flights? Well, Google Flights is definitely making gains. Uh, it's getting much more aggressive in the U.S. and seems to be taking market share from all of its competitors, including Kayak, Skyscanner, and Mamundo. I also just know anecdotally from talking to the CEOs of Kayak and Mamundo, for example, uh, that they're feeling the impact. Um, Google Trends data shows that uh, the term Google Flights in terms of search interest in the U.S. rose 22 points in January 2017 compared to just 12 points for those three competitors combined. And uh, Google is getting much more aggressive in terms of they're now 
intercepting airline uh, trademark terms so that if you search for United Flights to Los Angeles, it's going to, the Google Flights widget is going to uh, spill out there with fares from United. It seems like it's very effective and will ramp things up for them. In terms of consolidation and travel, uh, there's a lot going on. Ctrip uh, acquired Skyscanner uh, last week. Priceline acquired Mamundo for kayak. Airbnb's thinking about going into flights. They're making some of their own uh, vacation rental acquisitions. Google is a factor in all this. People see Google coming on strong, and they're all trying to assemble the puzzle pieces. Right, that makes total sense. So you know, thinking about the just the Google, clearly a digital uh, digital player. Uh, you know, travel is, has a very Kind of tenuous relationship with online everything that happens in travel these days is online but it hasn't been that way for very long I mean, we just did our definitive oral history on online travel that dennis wrote so there's still a lot going on in digital we wanted to get a sense of how the travel industry is dealing with that so we launched our 2016 digital transformation survey mostly hotel respondents we had some some interesting things uh, come out of that, some in interesting insights coming out of that survey. We saw that there's still a big, first of all, there's still a big chunk of players in the travel industry that are ultimately uh, some concerned, ultimately concerned about what they're doing with their digital strategies. Over a third said that they were behind in their digital strategies. Um, so, the, the, you know, that, that, that pressure is coming from two directions. It's either they're, they're feeling a, a pinch in terms of budgets or they're feeling a pinch in terms of talent and their ability to, to source the appropriate talent in terms of tech compared to some of the big guys, not just Google, but also the Expedias and Pricelines of the world that are kind of sucking up all that digital talent, not to mention the fact that there's this huge transition that's happened over the last five years of travel moving into mobile. And we see that a big portion of the travel industry still doesn't consider their, themselves a mobile first organization. And that might make sense if we think about the bookings that are happening, still happening on desktop, but nevertheless, uh, you know, things, I mean, the, the, the numbers are fairly stark here. And you think about that nearly half of the travel providers out there are still receiving less than 20% of their traffic from uh, from mobile. And, you know, so there's going to be a lot of investments that are going to have to take place. And there, there are taking steps, digital analytics, front-end consumer experience, uh, you know, the big buzzwords, data science, big data are the, the things that uh, uh, companies are pr uh, kind of prioritizing. So that's the context of Google. Uh, let's jump into some of the numbers with Jared. Thanks, Luke. So the chart up below, we show that digital advertising and travel in 2015 for the big four OTAs, Priceline, Expedia, TripAdvisor, and Ctrip was right around $6 billion. Um, one thing to note on these numbers, the advertising online number themselves, especially outside of Priceline, is not specifically in the financials. So we back into this stripping out things um, that are less, that are not direct uh, expenses, personnel cost, and then take about a 90% of total advertising to get to digital. So looking at the entire travel ecosystem, we believe that the large four, the big four OTAs have roughly 40 to 60% market share 
of how much gets spent, which would imply that in 2015, there's about $12 billion that was spent on digital advertising. Just for, for frame of reference, that would be comparable to how much Google and Facebook's combined global ad share is. For Google, last year, 2015, uh, based on our channel check, 70 to 90% was the typical range that gets spent on Google within the, the digital travel spend. So at 80%, you get to $10 billion. As we're halfway through earnings season, the trend continues with 20 to 25% growth. So we see 2016 at $12 billion on Google and 2017 continuing to grow and hitting $14 billion. Facebook is an area where there's been a lot of interest and we'll have a report coming out shortly um, where right now they're small at about a couple percentage market share. Um, but we see the intent at the hotels, we see the intent at the OTAs and the metas uh, and Facebook itself launching dynamic travel ads where everyone wants to grow this pie. And we believe the big driving factor is the suppliers want to move to being less reliant on Google. And Facebook sees a very important market within the travel ecosystem. So for dynamic travel ads, they let the hotels and OTAs retarget customers. So they may not have the intent that Google has, but the, the ability to track consumers across devices will be quite important. And we see this growing over time and potentially hitting 10% in the coming years. So for Google hotel ads, it's an interesting dynamic where the big OTAs in MetaSearch continue to dominate AdWords. So if you do a hotel search for London, hotels in London, you'll see Expedia, Trivago, and TripAdvisor at the top. And this is not surprising as that is where it takes a huge marketing budget to compete. Further down the screen is the new hotel ads, which is the MetaSearch model for Google. And when you look there, technically the front page is organic. So Corinthia, London, Marriott Hotel, they don't actually pay to be listed there. But when you click through the London Marriott Hotel, Marriott did pay to be that $362 listing you see there, and as did Expedia and Booking.com. So what this means is within that model on Google, you may not pay on the first part, but to generate any sort of booking, other you're going to have to pay the same way you would for AdWords. Um, and so that's why you'll see in the, in the listing here, Marriott is there, but if you go to smaller boutique hotels, they tend to be less prevalent. The next set of slides will provide you guys, but the main takeaway is that CPA is the commission-based model where boutique hotels can lower their risk and ensure that they're only paying 10 to 15% or higher, depending on the model uh, for a booking. So the drawback is you may pay you know, anywhere to 20% cost, but you're certain that you're only paying when you get a booking. So you're paying for actual revenue. CPC, you're paying for the click. So this is pure marketing. Um, the negative is if you're a small boutique and you start spending a lot on CPC, you may not get any, any bookings out of it. The positive is if you're a booking.com and you dominate the industry, you can generate traffic and create bookings and convert, and you effectively could wind up with say a five, 6% cost per acquisition. The next slides, again, we'll just leave you for some of the mechanics behind the bidding process. And then we'll turn to Dennis to, to talk about how Google Hotel Ads has been a bit slower out of the gate than flights. 
Thanks, Jared. Yeah, from what we can tell, Google Hotel ads, which just shows up in search if you search for um, Marriott Hotel in New York City or just hotels in Los Angeles, is underperforming Google Hotel Finder, which was sunset in 2015, which was a destination uh, site in and of itself. And it's also underperforming Google Flights. Um, and it appears as though they sunset uh, Google Hotel Finder because uh, that was more directly competitive with uh, the OTAs, which are Google's largest advertiser in Google hotel ads. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Google has been focused on some of the, uh, the plumbing of Google hotel ads. It's integrated the hotel ads into Google Maps, making it uh, sort of a mini meta site on its own. Meanwhile, uh, we feel strongly that Google is not becoming an OTA. Google may be taking steps to get closer to the customer through TripAdvisor like instant booking, um, although it's going fairly slowly. But, you know, becoming an OTA is hard. Google doesn't have the expertise. They would have to start dealing with uh, flight cancellations and rebooking customers, and they would be alienating their largest advertisers. Uh, Google, uh, as we said, probably generated $12 billion in ad revenue in uh, 2016. That compares to Expedia, whose total revenue was $8.8 billion. So by those numbers, tr uh, Google's travel, travel ad business is already one and a half times larger than Expedia. Why alienate your largest customers by becoming an OTA? All right. I think that that's a, that's a really good place to kind of end our more formal presentation discussion about what you know, the economics of Google. I think when we talk about Google, clearly we're looking at, you know, the bigger picture when it comes to overall consolidation in, in the industry. And Dennis, you had a really good point here when saying that Google is not becoming an, an OTA. Uh, can you give us a little bit of context around what's happening outside of the Google ecosystem in terms of the travel space? Um, clearly, we've seen a lot happening in the, in the space of Meta, right? Uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the some of the more recent activity in terms of acquisitions and other interesting things that have been happening that might relate to to to, to where Google is going in their in their travel ambitions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just bigger picture stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, with the Skyscanner and then the Mamondo acquisitions kind yeah. of back to back. What's that all about? Yeah, Luke, uh, the Skyscan, the C-Trip acquisition of Skyscanner seems to uh, have shaken a lot of people up. Uh, it was a big deal. C-Trip uh, in China. Uh, which has huge global acquisitions, is now talking about integrating Skyscanner into uh, its search uh, beginning next year. Um, and that's really had a, uh, that's really reverberated, I think, uh, throughout the travel industry. Um, right. You saw in response that, um, partially in response, that uh, Priceline acquired uh, Mamundo, you know, to get stronger in Europe. Um, that, of course, is flight-related. It won't help Kayak and Priceline uh, compete with Trivago, which is hotel-only. But all of that, I think, is spurred by the C-Trip Skyscanner acquisition, fear of Google as Google makes incremental gains, 
And now Airbnb is talking about getting into flights. You know, we'll see if uh, if they do that, if they're successful. It looks like, you know, they Airbnb launched tours and activities uh, a few months ago. And that doesn't seem like it's really picking up a lot of steam. Some of this stuff is a lot harder than it looks. Right. So it's, I mean, it kind of seems like there are you know, two, two very, very different camps in terms of travel and where it's all going. There's the one idea that, uh, you know, travel as a commodity, when we think about airline search and hotel search, and ultimately that's where it all ends. Uh, but you know, there are these other brands like Airbnb and TripAdvisor that are really trying to integrate the whole experience in terms of not only just uh, when you get there, but also the full life cycle of the travel experience in terms of in destination, including activities and and all that other stuff. Uh, but if Google wanted to, though, they could do all that stuff, right? And you just think about all the the vast amounts of resources they have. Yeah, I mean, Google is all over the place now. They have their Trips app, which uh, mines your Gmail and posts all your past flights, all your upcoming flights. It enables you to pull together an itinerary of things to do for 40, if you have 48 hours in Montreal or, or wherever. Um, you have Google Home. You have uh, the Pixel phones now where you can... You can ask, you know, uh, you know, is my flight late? What about my past flights? You know, um, artificial intelligence might revolutionize the the whole thing. And and look at all the uh, the data and the uh, technical prowess that Google has to to make that work. It's interesting when you mention uh, the dichotomy between companies that are looking uh, uh, that are focusing on the the whole travel experience versus the ones that, you know, like MetaSearch that's focusing on price. Because I, I read a survey recently, it was put out by HomeAway, which said that um, uh, millennials don't really value the local experience, that that's one of the last things on their priority list. So that's kind of funny, getting given all the rhetoric that we're hearing about, you know, how local, you know, right. the whole enchilada. Okay, but I mean, Google, like you mentioned, has maps, it has... You know, it's built into the whole ecosystem. Every half of half of the world's population has Android phones. I don't know what specifically those numbers are, but they own the hardware, they own the software. So it seems like Google's encroachment into travel is really kind of inevitable. I mean, they're already there. Obviously, how far they're gonna gonna go will probably depend on uh, companies like Facebook, right. As a viable alternative, Jared, what do you, uh, what, any, any thoughts there in terms yeah, of, yeah, thanks. I mean, we, Facebook is definitely growing and we see the intent from, uh, the online travel companies, from the hotels to make this a more meaningful, uh, line item. The issue is that there's not the same commercial intent as there is with Google. So Google, you're saying, you know, find me a hotel for this date in this location. It's going to give you exactly what you want. For Facebook, it's more aspirational and visual, where it's more it's kind of a hybrid between TV and Google. Uh, but what's interesting and where I think it's going to take some nice share from not Google, but the rest of the industry is the ability for a kayak to see you were, you were doing a flight search for a hotel to London and then to go have that person's Facebook ID in kayak and then put an ad on Facebook for kayak 
for a hotel, you know, to be able to do that across devices, I think will help them win new business. And it's something that we haven't seen before. And again, for them, the difference is that it's, it's ID based instead of cookies. Jared, it's funny. Um, in the third quarter, uh, this, the CEO of Expedia said he wanted to get uh, Facebook and other social platforms to Google-like levels. Um, I don't see that happening. I don't, you know, I don't think it has that potential. My kids quit Facebook about three years ago. It's, it's only the old fogies who are still on Facebook. Um, and Facebook is talking about, uh, you know, it's ad load being already being saturated in the newsfeed. Um, how much potential does Facebook really have as an advertising platform where, you know, it's a social platform. So as you, you're really going to turn off all the users if you, you know, if you over advertise on, on Facebook. And you think about, though, you know, just thinking about all the different functionalities that Facebook is is implementing into its platform, it's almost become, I, I get the sense that clearly they, their interest is to keep you on that platform as long as possible. They want to consume all of your uh, time on your mobile phone in Facebook. So they want to keep you there as long as possible. They're, they're building out search capabilities, shopping, browsers, they Met own messaging. the traffic, messaging, not to mention messaging, right? So they own the traffic. They have they 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 have the audience. You know, I mean, is it just a matter of putting that you know option to book in front of them? Well, I guess just turning back to, to Dennis's point on the ad load, um, one thing that's important is when they say the ad load is saturated, it's it's the amount of ads. Say at a hundred posts on your wall. It used to be one, two, three percent were advertisements. We've hit about probably they've never quantified this, but just doing our own tests, uh, it's about ten to fifteen percent of how much ads per per post. Um, but the trend and why there's room for Facebook to grow is that the cost per ad continues to grow up to grow. So as engagement increases, like in the U.S., it's pretty you know the 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 way they look, we can look at engagement is how many monthly active users are daily active users. And right now, globally, there's about 1.2, I believe, billion daily active users and 1.8 or so billion monthly active users. And despite all this growth in the US, about three-fourths of the monthly active users are daily. And what we're seeing is that advertisers are paying more each year for those ads. So I agree that the supply is saturated, so it limits how much growth you can get from supply. But the way it will work is that the travel industry, which if it works out and they see that they're getting traction on the retargeting, on the conversion, or even for brand awareness versus TV, they will pay more to retarget somebody where you have a small subset of the population um, than let's just say a consumer apparel company or a coffee shop who the way it works right now is you bid on Facebook and part of the bidding process is how many people you're trying to target. And then the other part is based on who wins based on the likeliness of success. So it's kind of a, a positive feedback loop for customers bidding, for advertisers bidding. The more likely your ads are to win, the more likely, the more likely your ads are to sell, the more likely you are to win the bid. And for Facebook, that means they'll have happier customers on that bid. 
And because it's cost per action or cost per whatever, if the advertisers lose that little subset of the population, they just turn around and they bid somewhere else. Um, Speaking of mobile and messaging, I thought one thing that was really interesting in the, and it relates to Google, of course, uh, in the SCIF survey, was it the, the percentage of companies that saw themselves as mobile first uh, versus those that don't? Was it 20% said they weren't uh, mobile first? And you compare that with, you know, booking.com now says it's getting 50% of its bookings over mobile. So it seems like it's, re- there's a real, it's really creating uh, in the travel industry the haves and the have nots among companies, those that are really good at mobile and those that aren't. And then you think of, Google's potential in mobile, it's, uh, you know, all encompassing. And I would, I would almost say though, at the expense of audiences that are, are on desktop, I feel like that the mobile first approach is clearly something that's very important for travel brands. But I think it's also, you can't ignore the fact that people are still using desktop to book, uh, travel. So I, I, from, from just from personal experience, I see that a lot of kind of user experience is being lost, even on the part of Google when it comes to uh, just user experience on, uh, you know, the Internet Explorer or Chrome. There's still, it's almost becoming to where the, the mobile experience is better than the desktop experience by far. So at what cost are we are we looking at in terms of user experience for, you know, the, the, the likes of, you know, the bigger brands, but also you, Google when optimizing for, you know, on a, on a kind of a mobile first strategy, right? So something to think about. And one thing that I think is really interesting when you have this mobile first world. So when you first look at from Google's perspective and you look at their results, you know, a couple of years back, I think it was two years ago, everyone was freaking out that cost per click or CPC was coming down because everyone was going to mobile. And what happened was kind of a delayed reaction where the volume from mobile didn't offset right away the decline in CPC. But then there was a dramatic upswing where the volume done on mobile drastically exceeds desktop and CPC is stabilizing. So for Google... So crisis averted? Right. So that's why for Google, you're seeing you know, 25% constant currency revenue growth at $90 billion in revenue, which is unheard of. For the OTAs, the benefit is in a mobile-first world it's much harder to generate conversions. So you need to be a company like Booking.com or Expedia to be able to win market share. And you know we're seeing TripAdvisor move to their instant booking model and they're seeing some headwinds on mobile. And you know they're a very large company and they're, I mean, they're having challenges. So what it means is you have these smaller niche meta search sites or niche OTAs or boutique hotels and to try to win share from a booking.com becomes increasingly more difficult. You know, like I, I talk to hoteliers and they say, look, if I can just give 15% to, of my revenues to, to booking.com and they can take care of all of my, my distribution, sales and distribution woes, then that's fine. Uh, you know, a lot of you know, this talk about these booking wars a lot of times is overblown. Uh, you know, you're, it's not you're giving good. up total control to another company, which that's tough. You know, true, true. But you know, if you think about the, 
you know, I mean, the obviously the competition is there. If you think about Google in the context of, uh, you know, TripAdvisor and Expedia, I think, you know, the, the suppliers do have options. So, you know, whether or not we're going to be seeing a kind of race to the bottom when it comes to commissions, I think that the pressure's on, you know, the, the, you know, the kind of the traditional players, whether it's Expedia or Priceline to kind of contain the costs. So, you know, Google, is this a, a good or a bad thing? Well, clearly a competitor for Expedia, but Priceline, but when we think about the hotelier, good or bad, I, I think. Well, it's it, another option, you know, right, so exactly. it's, you know, it's not just kayak or booking.com or Expedia. There's a, you know, or TripAdvisor, there's another uh, cowboy in town. What's interesting is that on Google and TripAdvisor, even there, you know, for meta search, essentially, or, or if we're going to call it instant booking or meta search, there's still 10 to 15% commission fees, which is lower than what a lot of the boutiques might pay the OTAs, but it's still, you know, still pretty high. Um, so it's just something to see, to see how that plays out where, you know, moving to Google or trip or, you know, it, it may incrementally help, but we're also seeing a case where, and Expedia has talked about this, where they're, they're seeing more boutique hotels take share from the larger chains within the OTA platform. So that goes back to, to Luke's point where, you know, let's say you're a boutique hotel and you don't have an advertising team, you don't have a marketing team, you don't have people on the ground, you know, that 20% could be a fantastic investment. But if you're Hilton and you have massive operations around the globe and you could have sold that with your people and the marketing office you have, that 20% you're looking at as a loss. I just wanted to mention one other topic before we wrap up. And you know, we talked about niche metas and TripAdvisor and we're talking about consolidation. So who do you guys think is uh, the next piece to fall in terms of... Uh, mergers and acquisitions? Wow. Well, you know, just kind of looking at the landscape, it doesn't seem like there's a lot left out there. Uh, you know, TripAdvisor is always com coming up as the next kind of target. There's question on whether or not there's a suitable buyer for TripAdvisor. Um, you know, but in terms of availability and what's out there, that's one of the big fish that's swimming around out there. You know, Meta, Meta continues to be hot. There's some interesting players out there, tripping.com that uh, you know, focuses on the vacation rental market. It's still kind of early stages for them, but they recently secured additional funding and clearly that's an acquisition play there. Uh, just to- Clearly? <laughs> I don't know if it's an acquisition play. I mean, tripping, yeah. they don't have the audience yet and- Meta search itself is is so difficult, and meta search in vacation rentals where none of the inventory is uniform—that's you know. Well, more the reason for the meta search, right? Yeah. Because of the inventory, that's you have all these little niche markets. You think about you know vacation rentals in Hawaii or vacation rentals in Vancouver. So many of these kind of very unique content-oriented. Marketplaces. So, how are do you compare up. them on price, though? How do you compare one to you know which is the deal? You know, because people who go to MetaSearcher are, are you know super price conscious. You know, an eight dollar difference in in the room night is going to 
sway their decision. So comparing them, that's you know, that's tough. But you know, if you think about uh, if you think about Airbnb's interest in luxury retreats, I think that that's a sign that Airbnb is having a tough time actually growing its inventory, even in light of the strong global branding that it has as a lifestyle brand. There's, I think, a lot of inventory out there in the vacation rental space that uh, really isn't marketed properly. So. You know, let's see what happens. I, you know, but I think that's it's definitely an interesting space, and I'm sure that the big players, whether it's Kayak or Priceline or Expedia, they're certainly interested in incorporating a lot of that inventory into their meta search platforms. You know, what what technology can Tripping offer in terms of all the networking that it's already done in terms of the that that fragmented supplier base, I think it could, it could be an interesting proposition for them. I think there's a lot of also uh, regional meta search players out there that, you know, might be there for the taking, like there's Wago, you know, in Southeast Asia, um, Duhop, I don't know how to pronounce it, in Iceland, is uh, doing, you know, a lot of work uh, in Russia with uh, the search engine there, Yandex. Um, so some of those players, you know, some of those companies are, are up for grabs, but none of those are really um, game changing. The one the one company that would be game changing would be TripAdvisor. But now that I know Price Jared's line, got some opinions about TripAdvisor. OK. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think strategically it makes a lot of sense for a price line for, you know, for even a Google. But when I look at, you know, we've been people have been talking about. TripAdvisor at one hundred and ten dollars a couple of years ago, being a takeout target, it's now fifty two dollars, so it's down fifty percent. Um, does Stephen Kaufer want to sell his company at this price? I highly doubt it. You know, he's committed to the instant booking model. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if large. somebody comes in and offers seventy dollars a share. You know, it's his uh, fiduciary duty to uh, entertain that. Right. Then the question goes, why do we, I don't think someone would pay $10 billion here. Why? It's a bargain. Uh, you know, assuming that they're going to straighten themselves out with instant booking, you know, it's a bargain price for TripAdvisor. They're, you know, in addition to Google, you know, they are one of the must have places to advertise, uh, you know, for hotels, for example. Um, I mean, if we think about Skyscanner and what do they fetch? Uh, 1.7 billion. Yeah. 1.7 billion. Okay. Well, I mean, TripAdvisor has been around for quite a bit longer. Um, it's the largest travel site in the world in terms of traffic. In terms of traffic. So they have the traffic, they have the, uh, they have the, the the monetization tools right. They've taken some some big hits on implementing the instant booking model. Clearly, they're working on it. Strong brand. I think either way, whether or not they get scooped up, I can see how TripAdvisor can continue to be competitive. But again, you know, there's the big looming question: is Google right, and what you know? What, what it's all gonna, how it's all gonna play out, particularly in the user-generated content space. 
I think TripAdvisor a year ago may have had some competitive advantage there a year or two ago in terms of what, what they offer. But you also see companies like Google stepping up their stepping up the pace in terms of reviews and what, what's available to the customer, particularly through maps. Um, you know, one of one of TripAdvisor's problems is that it doesn't have an experience, any experience in being an OTA. You know, and um, they're finding you know it's a you know they were once owned by an OTA Expedia but they didn't get any expertise in being an OTA so the natural acquirer would be the priceline group which i think could really help tripadvisor in terms of OTA experience and international expansion and its language capabilities which are tremendous you know that booking.com has but you know the priceline group now has kayak it now has mamundo you know is it is it going to qu- acquire another meta search company also wonder if they try to how much anti anti competitive like uh, F, 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 which uh, we always forget which commission is would be for uh, the FTC or the DOJ right and what would they have to say if all of a sudden Priceline now owns basically I mean you can point that Google is the you know the big competitor and they're going to Meta Search but you know I'm not I'm not a not a lawyer so I can speculate but it would it would definitely be a concern. Um, I don't know what you guys have thoughts on would, uh, anti-competition. And- I mean, you know, we're living in the Trump era. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but uh, anything goes these days. Uh, um, yeah, clearly there's huge, uh, big moves in, in consolidation in the space. Uh, some of the Skyscanner really didn't didn't hit, hit any sort of hurdles. TripAdvisor clearly has a different stake in the game. They, you know, they're 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 the big brand. The tentacles reaching throughout not only accommodations, but they're also into flights and and in restaurant business and uh, what they're doing on the destination side. So you can see how a, a Google acquisition or you know just hypothetically speaking, of course, could pose some some regulatory issues there. And as I tweeted the other day, Google acquiring TripAdvisor would be like the Hatfields and the McCoys going out partying together on Saturday night because <laughs> there there has been a lot of <laughs> there has been a lot of animosity between the two companies, you know, uh, Google was basically taking TripAdvisor's user reviews without their permission and Google has shut out the competition in terms of organic search the only way you can get your results up there on the first page of google is to pay for it and you know it's not like google needs the money anyway right i mean in terms of google's uh, the way that they operate is clearly everything falls under the google brand they're not gonna they want google reviews they want google maps they don't want TripAdvisor reviews polluting their brand clearly so you know, on the technology side, what what does TripAdvisor ultimately offer a Google? I don't think Google is a, is going to be a play, but there could be some you know some some companies out from coming out from left field. Who knows? You know, Jared and I discussed this earlier, and you know, some you know, big players in China still active in the space. Uh, you know, wanting to own a baseball team, basically, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I and mean, we've we've seen that in the uh, in the theme park industry where Disney went to China. And one of the billionaires in China, you know, right around the same time, said, I'm going to open up $17 billion worth of theme parks. So whether it's Sea Trip or just a 
private equity ish type company, like yeah, Luke said, coming out of left field, that could be an area where they want to get into outbound travel from China. And TripAdvisor is a built-in fantastic brand with tons of loyalty. So there, the price they would pay, whether it's you know too high of a multiple, wouldn't matter because you're not like it's not like Priceline or Expedia is answering to shareholders that they just spend 15 times revenue or something on a company. Where if it's a Chinese private equity company or, or the equivalent, they could do whatever they want. In other words, TripAdvisor, who is going to sweep you off your feet? Airbnb. Be all that you can be. <laughs> they, they they plan on throwing money around, so you never know. Well, this is going to be the 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 big one, right? The, the well, luxury retreats is going to be their biggest acquisition yet, right? Looking at like three hundred million or so. Right. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much. Uh, well, this has been a great conversation. Tune in next time for the the online travel talk show that wrap. is the <laughs> online travel wrap that is gift. Thanks so much.